Welcome to the Ashburnham Golf Club Members Podcast, where you can get to know some of our members, stay up to date with current affairs, and even hear from some of our staff members. Here's your host, your head PGA professional, Tom Davis. Hey everyone, it's been a long time. I think the last time we'd done a podcast was... I think just before we come out of lockdown, which would have been March, March, April time. But anyway, welcome back. Thought I'd do a bit of an update. We've got uh, all things have changed in the shop. Uh, we've got some new new staff members on board who I'm sure you've met. Um, but I thought it'd be good to get one of our new members of staff on, uh, talk to him about his background, his history, uh, and just, yeah, just help, help you get to know uh, our new staff member who can introduce himself in a second. But... Uh, Welcome on board. Thank you. Rich, for anybody who's not met you, they probably all have and they probably heard you if they've, <laughs> if they've not seen you, um, give everyone a bit of a background on you, where you're from, golfing background, background with Ashburnham, just just read it off for us. Uh, so originally from Aberystwyth, um, golfing background, so um, been playing since I was 12. 11, 12. Um, have, you, have you grown much since then? No, I haven't. I'm the same height. A <laughs> little bit skinnier, but uh, not much. Uh, yeah, so started when I was 12 at a little nine-holer called Capelbanger, and then kind of worked my way through that. Um, played, came down here actually for county coaching with Rob Ryder. Ah, okay. Uh, under 14, David, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but I've had a lot of history of playing here. Played for Wales for my first time, so that was 2010, home okay. internationals, played the Trubshaw, um, well stroke play here, yeah. so played a lot of golf here and David County matches and things like that. So so you know when you came here for county coaching under 14s, uh, how long had you been playing golf for then? Uh, three years. Was it? Yeah. Uh, okay. So I had been, I'd hit balls and stuff in the garden. Yeah. Uh, so it was quite interesting. I was cross-handed when I started. Was you? Um, and then got down to a seven handicap cross-handed and went to county coach, it, which was mid-Wales coaching. And uh, he, he asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, oh, I want to be a professional golfer. And I won't use the language that he uh, used, but he said, if you don't change your grip, you've got no chance. So, um, yeah, so that was uh, change the grip, and it was quite challenging because um, I went from being able to hit the ball really nicely to not being able to hit it at all and just mm. kind of doing 10, 20 minutes a day, just feeling the grip and getting used to it, and I'm glad I did it now. Yeah. Do, do you think, like, uh, on a separate note, we've gone off tangent here already, which will happen a lot, do you think th- that change there, or at least playing cross-handed up until you were seven handicap, do you think that formed some of the movements which you've still got today? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. Um, I still putt cross-handed. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have tweaked around with the grip, but I always kind of revert back to it because that's what I'm comfortable doing. Yeah. Um, but it was quite interesting. He gave me the option to, if I wanted to go left-handed... So he's oh, like, really? oh, do you want to change your grip or do you want to play left-handed? I was like, oh, I'll just change my grip. I think that'll be easier. <laughs> it's going to be expensive getting a new set of clubs and everything like that. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a hard change, but um, one I yeah. glad I did now. 
That's an interesting option, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I was really shocked when he said uh, you can go left-handed. Whether that was because of my movement, I'm not sure, but yeah, uh, yeah it was interesting. Did you, did you try your left-handed? I can hit balls left-handed, yeah. not very good, but uh, <laughs> I can hit them. Sometimes yeah. you have to hit it when yeah, you're behind yeah, yeah. a tree or something, but yeah, I can hit balls left-handed, um, but not very good. <laughs> oh, that's a really interesting uh, yeah, really interesting situation that for definite. Yeah. What what do you, what do you reckon would have been your path if you would like not change there? Do you reckon you would have got down lower? Uh no, de- I I think I would have hit kind of a bit of a wall mm-hmm. uh, at some point and it would have I would have had to change it at some yeah. point I think. So I think going to like it was a struggle because I was young um and you're impatient and um those of you who don't know me you probably think I'm quite chilled out in the shop but when it comes to competitive environment I can get quite heated so uh <laughs> you know it it was quite a challenging time yeah, yeah, yeah. but one I really looked at it long term and yeah. thought you got to think of this uh, as getting better long term not just yeah trying to play better next week so yeah it's a good way of looking at it and you know by the time you got down here to do that county coaching with Rob and you'd already made the change then? Yeah, I'd already made the change then. Um, so that wasn't really a technical session with Rob. It was more mm. like playing the game and listening to him talk because uh, he likes talking a lot from what I remember. It was a long yeah. time ago now, but yeah, he likes to talk within the session anyway. <laughs> yeah, I've, ne- I've never had a session with him at all. Um, I know he's a bit of a character. Yeah, he is. The, my, my experience with Rob... Uh, was when I was a junior actually and he came to play the pro-am up in my steg and he used to do like this double act with uh, Mark Evans um, God bless him and they used to do uh, what was it Seve and uh, and and someone else they used to do like a bit of a a bit of a double act a Gary (laughs) player and Seve or something and oh, it was hilarious, yeah. like absolutely hilarious. No, Both he, of them were amazing. He is funny, Rob. Yeah. He, was, he was really good within the sessions. Yeah, uh, class. So from from there, then, Rich. So you come here for county coaching. How did your kind of golf develop from there? Uh, it was quite interesting, really. So I from there never never got in the junior Welsh squads. Um, was always in like the Doved uh, county squads uh, with Di Lindquist. Um, and then I won, I think it was the Welsh boys plate mm. in, I can't remember, it was like 2006 or 2007. Yeah. But I think that really justified to me that, although it was the plate, not the championship, it yeah. really justified to me that I could like win at a national level. Yeah. Um, and it does, I know it was a plate, not the championship, but winning's winning. And that. Yeah. so, yeah. and then from there, um, just really kicked on so I got down to plus two I think by the time I was 17 yeah had a really good year with uh in the junior stuff finished like third on the junior order merit and didn't get picked for the team oh wow but I always look back on it like at the time it was I was waiting for the phone call and you're like am I in the team am I not didn't get the phone call and it was like it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Because that year then, I looked at it two ways. It was either you can sit and, you know, be upset about it or work hard and prove people wrong. So that winter I worked really hard. Um, I had like 7% attendance in school 
to try and get to the golf course <laughs> and practice. So uh, my parents weren't very happy. They were dropping me off in school, but I was walking straight to the golf course and playing uh, money games uh, on a Tuesday and Wednesday. And I just really got better. Yeah. Um, and then played uh, the year after, which was my, which would have been 2010. Yeah. And just really kicked on then. I finished third on the men's order of merit and top okay. five got automatic spots, so they had to pick me. So, uh, <laughs> and then played the homes here. So, yeah, class. Uh, it was good. And from from that point in two thousand and ten, up until the point until you turned pro, what what kind of happened in that period? Uh, I went to college in the states, so I did two years at a junior college in New Mexico. Yeah. And then I did two years, transferred then to University of South Florida, um, came home then in 2014, uh, spent a year playing amateur golf, mm. so playing the Welsh stuff, uh, went to play Europeans and things like that, uh, played Lytham Trophy, all those events, and then turned pro, uh, went to Q School in end of 2015. Mm. Okay. And what what did your what was your results in Q school that year? Uh, got through first stage, which was at Froford Heath, yeah, and then missed out on second stage in European Q school. And then in the March 2016, I think it was the Euro, Euro Pro, Pro qualifying. Yeah. So got through that. I remember the weather being absolutely brutal. It was at <laughs> Froford Heath, and it was hailstoning. It was so cold, but um, yeah, got through that, and then. Just kicked on really yeah, from there. Nice. And just backtracking ever so slightly, you know your your time in college uh, in America. You said you went to two different colleges. Yeah. Looking back on on that time there, do you feel like you progressed as a golfer a lot more than you would have if you were home playing in tournaments, working with coaches at home, or do you feel like being in America, you know, potentially better weather? Uh, more exposure to tournaments on a regular basis. Do you feel like that that helped? Yeah, I think what helped was um, I had to change my game a little bit. Like mm. coming from playing links golf, I always used to hit like a like a low draw, like chase it out there, and I was very good at that mm. shot. Um, but when I go out there, I remember my first year was a bit of a struggle because mm. uh, I hit it so low, um, and then I had to change a few things. Um, to get better but I think more so from the college system is just like competitive all mm. the time like mm. whether that's the practice that because the, the, the coaches aren't technical coaches you know yeah. they're, they're um they're just more like a performance coach I guess or a bus driver it depends what you want to call them <laughs> um, but I, I was lucky enough to have some good coaches yeah. um and it was always competitive um like qualifying was d- tough for the team it was so when we come back in August, it was ten rounds of qualifying, and it was the top five stroke average. So you oh, couldn't wow. afford to play bad at all. It was like, like quite. It was actually harder than going to play the tournaments. Cause oh, really? It, yeah, because you knew one bad round that yeah. was the end of it. Yeah. And, uh, but it was a good way, and I think it set me up really well for professional golf yeah um, and the tournaments you play on the golf courses you may, you play some major championship courses uh, we play Kew Island Inverness where they just played the Solheim so yeah. we played some tough courses so yeah it was definitely the how competitive it is all year round like yeah. here you almost get it's competitive in the summer and then you kind of lose that throughout yeah. the winter so yeah. I, I think that's what helped me the most yeah. definitely I, I think looking back on 
when I was playing quite a bit as well. <clears throat> and I, I definitely didn't have uh, anywhere near as much success as you as an amateur. And I kind of came on uh, a lot later, actually, like after I turned pro, because I, I didn't get down, I think when I turned pro and started my PGA training, I was like a two handicap. Yeah, I wouldn't class that as, as very good in terms of like a professional golfer. Um, but after that, I really, really kicked on quite well and started scoring really well in some local tournaments. Yeah. And that was without doubt because of the environment I was in. Yeah. I was working in St. Mary's Golf Club. I had Matthew Pryor. We were playing with, like, you know, John Peters. There was a couple of other boys there as well yeah. who were quite competitive. And just that environment just really brought out, like, the best in me and taught me how to really score even when, you know, the... Just the circumstances weren't perfect. You know, if I weren't playing well, I just didn't want to, you know, just automatically give away 20 or 25 quid. Um, yeah, it, just yeah. te- it teaches you a different way of kind of uh, of playing, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the art to golf, isn't Absolutely. it? Ultimately, um, you know, we're all good when we play well yeah. and everything goes our way. But when things don't go your way and you're not quite feeling 100%, can you put a score together? Yeah. I think that's... Uh, and like ultimate it's just writing a score in the box isn't it yeah you know yeah. nobody says oh you swung it perfectly on this shot yeah, or whatever yeah. it's a game of scoring and i think that is the key is kind of when you don't have it is can you score. get it yeah can, yeah. You, can you really <laughs> grind it out to make yeah. a score yeah what what was your team like yeah it was strong uh i would say it was top heavy so we had chase kepka brooks kepka's younger brother we had a lad called Trey Valentine who plays on kind of Latin America tour now. Okay. And Joseph Winslow's on um, Latin America and Corn Perry. So yeah. we had some good players. Just our kind of fifth man would, or fourth or fifth man would always struggle. Um, mm. Yeah, we had a good team, pretty mm. good team. It was good. You stay in touch with those boys now? Yeah, I speak, still speak to Chase. Uh, lost touch with a few of them. Yeah. Um, still speak to one guy who was only on the team for a year with me, Devin Hernandez. He's an insurance broker now, but I speak to, yeah, I speak to him quite a lot. He was a good friend of mine. So yeah, yeah I try and stay in touch. It's just really hard. Yeah, it's it's amazing looking back, kind of even outside of a golfing uh, environment. Like trying to keep in touch with people is is difficult. They all go the different ways and different jobs and families and everything. It's yeah. uh, it's tough in general. Isn't it? it is, yeah. It's really tough. Yeah. Um. So fast forward in ever so slightly. Then, so you've got uh, got on to Europro. Yeah. How long did you stay on Europro for? Just one season. So uh, one. Uh, after my, I think, fifth event, I didn't have a great start and then won and just kind of had confidence then. So yeah. got off there and finished fourth, I think, on the money list that year. Got off and then on to Challenge Tour 2017 then. Okay. And, and where where did uh, where did it go once you got on Challenge Tour? Um, so played Kenya, um, which was an awesome experience. Yeah. That was probably my favourite event. Um just the local caddies and things yeah. like that. And just seeing them have kind of nothing, really. Yeah, that was yeah. an eye-opener for me. Um, and then came home, uh, and I actually... So in my spare time, sometimes I like to go fishing. It's just like a way I could get away from the game. And I was fishing, I had a bit of stomach pain. 
Uh, I thought it might have been food poisoning from Kenya, (laughs) but it wasn't. Uh, So I had my appendix out, um, uh, which would have been like eight ball time or whatever it was. And I think a week later was Switzerland. Uh, so I missed a few events there, and I had some didn't have great advice. Um, went back way too early, and just kind of went downhill from there. Pretty much yeah. lost a lot of confidence in my game. Um, just went downhill really. Lost yeah. my card then end of that year, um, and then back on the Euro Pro. And what what was it? What did, how did you feel? Kind of like going back on Euro Pro, having already had success there. And it sounds like there there was a, a a lot of stones that weren't really unturned for you on Challenge Tour, like with the situation with your appendix. Yeah, definitely. Um, going back to EuroPro, it was tough because in terms of I was had my own money. It was mm. basically all my so my first year I used all my own money, and then the last year, so I had like I'd budgeted seven or eight events. I think I played eight in the end. Uh, kept my card but it was it was tough but I think looking back on it like you can always say would I change anything I wouldn't have changed anything really apart from the decision kind of I made with I I should have taken a medical medical for the full season um, gone back the year after fresh um, but I didn't yeah head always tells you you can do it but yeah yeah, looking back on it is a ba- it was a bad decision, but just got to live with it. I'm not. The know. thing is, it it looks really easy, doesn't it? From when you're looking back on it, and you think, mm. oh, you know, I should have taken a medical there. However, I think what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, how close when you are on challenge tour, you, you're literally, you know, four to eight rounds away from setting yourself up for life. Yeah, because you you could you could you could have four amazing rounds win, have another four amazing rounds win again, get on European tour, keep your card for a couple of years, and you know as as idyllic as that sounds, you you could literally set yourself up for life yeah. from from eight round to golf. So Definitely. you know it's it's not necessarily a case of oh yeah you know um, you know that was a daft decision. I don't think because. Especially in the situation you were in, a lot of confidence, you know, had won the year before on EuroPro, yeah. uh, running on a high, you were probably thinking that way, maybe not like thinking too far ahead in terms of, you know, setting yourself up for life, but definitely in terms of winning, I would have thought. Yeah, definitely. And I did have a chance, um, I think it was Scotland I played, I was on Challenge Show that year, which would have been like my third event after mm. um, playing the final round with Marcus Kinnold. And like he's done well to get back as well. Now. Yeah, so I, I did have chances to win, um, but when I it just was not quite there, you know, yeah, compared yeah, to yeah. the year before. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't think of it as an excuse because it's, no, no, it's, no. um, it's not, I was fine after kind of about four or five events in, um, but. It was a fantastic experience, you know, like traveling the world. And I think people think it's, um, as you would know, traveling, people think it's, oh, you're going to see other places. I mean, there was probably only one place I saw, and that was Nairobi. Yeah. And that was driving through it. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. I mean, exactly. didn't didn't see any major cities or anything. Mm. You just don't have time. It's pretty much golf course, hotel. I mean, we we always used to talk about it, and um, you know, lucky I've done 
probably close to 100 events on the European Tour and then major major championships, etc. And we used to have more time than the players and caddy, and we still, players and caddy, sorry, we still didn't have much time. Mm. So, like, our weeks would be, you fly in Sunday if you're lucky, start Monday, go to the course, jump in a taxi, go to the hotel, quick shower, go for food, sleep, do the same on Tuesday, yeah. uh, do the same on Wednesday, but the only difference is on Wednesday, rather than going back to the hotel, you're going back to the airport. Yeah. Um, sometimes you'd be lucky where we stay in between, uh, and I can kind of resonate with what you were saying about Kenya, really, because some of my best experiences on tour were when we went to South Africa, Yeah, and you know you got a chance then to really go into um, you know the Kruger Park, uh, you know, after after the event, uh, well, not after the event, but after your day's finished, we used to go in there for a couple of hours, you know, the night before, uh, the, the morning before, sorry, and uh, the experiences I got were just un- unbelievable. However, they were very short-lived. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're talking like hours uh, rather than days, you know, what people think it is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we, we went on like a safari, um, in Kenya and the highlight of that was having a flat tire in the middle of, middle of Nairobi <laughs> National Park and I was thinking this isn't this isn't good yeah <laughs> but yeah that was a that was probably the best kind of event I went yeah. to it was brilliant yeah yeah but it is um for, for me I, I think the way I would describe it looking back at my time traveling is when I got the job I thought the traveling would be the best bit and by the end of my time traveling, I used to think traveling was the worst bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. And it didn't help for me living in Aberystwyth, which is kind of middle of nowhere. I mean, like a couple of the events and with my category, I wasn't in a lot of events. So like the big money ones like Italy, Kazakhstan. I remember flying back from Italy from to Stansted, which is like five and a half, six hours from Aberystwyth. <laughs> Got home, wasn't in Kazakhstan yet. Um, get home, get a phone call on the Monday, and like I'm barely alive on the Monday morning <laughs> after the drive. I think I got home at like 4 a.m. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, oh, you're into Kazakhstan. So it was like, book a flight, yeah. drive back down to Gatwick, because that was the only place I could fly from. And it, it's like, it's quite challenging on your body, takes a toll on your body. Absolutely. And you get there, and it's. Quite a long ways to Kazakhstan. It's again middle of nowhere. It's a bit like Aberystwyth, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was. It was just like te- five, six hour layover in Turkey, and like, yeah. it was just the travel is not what people think. It's, oh, it's a lot not. of hard work, and I think you have to plan kind of resting when you get there, and Absolutely. It's, it's very key to know kind of. It's yeah. important to know what, you know, that part of it is important, definitely. Yeah, it takes a toll on your body, yeah. especially when you're trying to perform at an elite level yeah. as well. You know, it, it. I think it exaggerates it even more, mm. you know. Um, I, I remember having a game of golf when we landed in South Africa and we literally got off the plane, drove straight to the golf course. We had a red-eye flight overnight, um, jumped on the first tee, <laughs> And, you know, I could swear that, you know, I'd had left-handed clubs in my hand. It, it literally, <laughs> I, d- I didn't know what the hell was going on, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, it is uh, It is an interesting topic. And we could probably, that's a podcast on its own anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the best experiences for you playing there, Rich? Like, give us a little bit more details on maybe if you, if you did find, you know, Kenya, Nairobi really interesting. 
give us a little bit more detail on uh, you know the the things that you kind of look back on and um, like the re- why Kenya was like, I had a local caddy mm-hmm. um, and he I remember speaking to another local guy who I played with in the pro am and he was saying the caddies were on like two dollars or two pounds a round or something yeah. when they caddy for the locals and I, and we had to pay them like. $21 or 21 euros around, which is like nothing. Yeah. I think a caddy on the challenge show was like 750 quid for the week or something. Yeah. So it was like peanuts, really. And uh, I remember he did a really good job for me. So I paid him. I said, if you make, if we make the cut, which we did, I said, I'll just pay you everything that day, all the, like in a lump sum. So when I paid him, it was as if he uh, had won the lottery. Like, yeah. Um, but that was an eye-opener and seeing like how poor they are. But yeah. I think playing when hitting balls, hitting off the tee and like there's baboons running about the place and monkeys <laughs> when you're eating breakfast on... like The just yeah. whole experience with Surreal and the safari was yeah. amazing. Um, the golf course was really good. Was it? Yeah, it was not your usual um, bomber's paradise mm. as the challenge tour is a lot of the time. It was very much you had to think think your way around the golf course it was very narrow mm. uh, ball went absolutely miles <laughs> it was a, it was redi- I was hitting wedge like 165 carry lovely it was, yeah it was nice and like here this time of year when you're like <laughs> one, 115 <laughs> class so like for you like that that sounds like an amazing memory to be fair and uh, if you've gone from Challenge Tour to Euro Pro Tour. At what point did you kind of decide then that, you know, maybe your career in golf needed to kind of uh, go a slightly different way? Um, pro- like I finished the end of the season, really. I was uh, finished fourth, I think, or third or fourth in Scotland, mm. which was the last event of the season. I finished, I think, 65th on the order of merit, just missed the Tour Championship, but did enough to keep my card for mm. the next year. But uh, I took my brother was opening a gym in Abba, so I was just helping him uh, through the winter then. But I knew that was kind of it for me. Mm. I don't know why. It was just I knew I couldn't afford to do it any longer, um, and it was just it got to a point where I'd stopped enjoying the game. Yeah, uh, I was playing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. Um, I wasn't playing it. Like I was when I was a kid, and yeah. just going out there and playing like I do now. I really enjoy yeah. it when I go out and play now. But I was playing it for money, and it was like, right, I got to make the cut this week, just yeah. in like three hundred quid, and it was it was crazy, like how you can get into that frame of mind. But it's really, I I think one round of golf uh, after that, I don't think I'd be sitting here. So I took six months off in the winter, didn't play at all didn't even touch clubs like didn't want to see them it was really weird transition from going every day to not doing it and Seamus the old assistant in Abu Dhabi was having a leave in do so he was leaving he got a job at Royal Lytham and he asked me to play and I said no no I'm not interested like didn't want to go up and then he said oh well we need an extra person we're desperate like so okay I'll come and play so bearing in mind like not hit any balls before going and shot 60 round Abu Dhabi 11 and uh, after not playing for six months and 
Missed, missed quite a short putt on the last for 59. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gassed it a little bit. Um, but I was driving home that night. I was thinking, like, I'm, I've got too much to offer within the game. I mean, even if it's not playing it, yeah. like I can, I'm sure I can help people in another way. So spoke to Andy and then kind of went to do my PGA then. But I think if it wasn't for that round of golf, I don't think I would be. Oh, really? Yeah, not in golf I, at all? don't think so. No, it's, it really it's, changed my mind that day. Yeah, definitely. I was like, "There's two ways you go about this. You either it'd be a shame if I mm. didn't have something mm. to mm. do with the game." So, yeah, it was quite interesting how that round changed my mind. I didn't. Lot. I didn't know. Genuinely, yeah. didn't, didn't know that. And, yeah. Uh, what, what, how, how easy would that have been though to say no there? Like, you must have been quite close to like saying like no, as in not going at all. Going to play that yeah, day. Yeah. yeah, I was I was like, no, I'm all right. And my brother was still in the process of building the gym, so I was helping him a lot. And I was like, no, no, I haven't got time. I mm. did have time, but I was yeah. trying to make excuse of not going because I didn't really want to play. Yeah. Um, and then to go up, and it was like, it was almost like I didn't really care where the ball went. I was yeah. just playing yeah. golf. And it was just really weird. Like I remember getting to 17 and... I was ten under, and I was—I didn't even know I was at that score. Do you know I, mean? I was just playing golf, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like you are when you were young, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. playing and yeah. added up at the end. Yeah, um, I wish I had that frame of mind when I was playing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it, it's it's amazing because like listening to the way in which you're talking now, like I I can give you my opinion on <clears throat> what I thought from the outside because as much as. You know, I I didn't really uh, know you that well. We had a bit of a relationship from you know the time that TaylorMade was helping you a little yeah. bit with equipment, um, and we were doing a lot with some of the amateurs. And I was uh, quite shocked. I don't know if, if I told you this, but I was quite shocked of how sudden you went from um, winning, and I even thought that you know finishing. Do you say sixty third? Yeah, or sixty fifth like, yeah, or whatever it was, something in the, on the money list. Like personally, I thought that was a progression, you know, yeah. from where you were the year before, and I was quite shocked that how quickly your um, you stopped playing. In in terms of like the way in which I would look at it from the outside is like, you know, somebody's on a trajectory here and uh, looks like they're doing really well and they're having results and you know. 65th on the order of merit is is a bloody good result yeah you know considering top 10 top 15 you yeah. know you get almost uh you know scuttled through it to, to final qualifying yeah um and I was, I was quite shocked but listening listening to the way in which you're talking about that situation like i feel like it was the right decision because like what you what you alluded to earlier is where, like, you didn't want to play and you weren't enjoying it. Like, at that point, you probably would have had to go through another couple of seasons of playing on Challenge Tour, at least, or playing on Challenge Tour, and then maybe getting starts on the European Tour and then perhaps getting a full card the year after. And then another 10 years playing, yeah. you know, and then looking to retiring. You know, if you couldn't see yourself doing another 12 years of travelling all over the world and, and playing... Um, or at least struggling for a couple of those years anyway, because you would, wouldn't you? You know, yeah. not, not naturally, you know, it's not all kind of like... No, you've got to go through that, I think. Yeah. Um, no, definitely, you've got to go through... No, yeah. I don't think any season is 
You yeah. know, you go through a perfect season, you're always going to have missed cuts or yeah. bad performances, and that's just golf, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, I, and like, people don't believe me when I say that, you know, some of the players that I worked with when I was working for TaylorMade, they're builders, and they're carpenters, and they don't play golf anymore. Like, not even play golf socially. You know, they, they just don't play at all. Yeah. And going back five or six years ago, they were European tour players. Yeah. And it, it is very, very, very hard, I think, and, until you get into that kind of, you know, top 60 on that order of merit or top 50 on the order of merit on the European tour and you start getting into the big events and making cuts still means that you make, you know, a good amount of money per week. Um <clears throat> It's it's a, it's a tough it's a yeah. tough 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 game. It is, yeah, definitely it is really challenging. Mm. And mm. I think people think when you get to main tour, it's easier. I think it probably gets harder. Absolutely, um, it's more it's, more of a fight. Yeah, definitely. Like you have to earn whatever it is to keep your card. Yeah, it's something like four hundred grand now to keep yeah. your card. Like yeah, and with the, the purses aren't that great on the European tour at some of the events, especially Absolutely. for the boys coming out of Q school, they wouldn't be able to get into the big yeah. money events. So, like they got to play pretty well just to yeah. keep their card. Yeah, but like we were saying, it, it's always that kind of that carrot dangling in front of you where you could have three tournaments in a row. I mean, you, you look at someone like. Matt Wallace, you mm-hmm. know, he's he's gone uh, on the Challenge Tour, won a co-sanctioned event in Portugal, won again that year, and you know he's he's firmly in that top kind of like fifty in the world, yeah, you fine. know, and, and 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 rightly so as well because yeah. he's he's a hell of a player and um, probably a player that I've worked with where you you kind of listen to him talk and you just see the way in which he acts and you know he just displays a huge amount of confidence mm. and has got like a serious aura about him um but it is like you know you, you're literally a couple of tournaments away from from anyone is really yeah you know from being in that situation but um in a way, Rich, as much as you probably don't want to hear this, I'm glad that you didn't carry on playing because I wouldn't have you here right here with me now. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not glad in, in a way, uh, you know, I, I would, would have loved you to do well. But, um, you know, I'm certainly thrilled to bits to have you here and um, you're a massive asset to the team here and, um, you know, long may this continue. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been on board since when, Rich? Remind uh, me. I started July the 1st. Is it July the 1st? Yeah, so it's gone pretty quick. It's gone very yeah. quick, hasn't it? Yeah. How, how, how has it been here? Have you enjoyed it? It's been really good, so yeah. Far? I've really enjoyed it. Um, it was a big transition, really. Um, I think the way I was at Abu Dhabi before, and like the clubs are very different. Mm. Um, like Abu Dhabi rely heavily on kind of visitors, I would say. Yeah. And here's a massive members club. Um, but yeah, it's been getting getting to know people yeah. um remember their names um and you know build relationships with people and yeah it's been good hopefully uh i've done a good job so far <laughs> um i don't know yet but yeah and it's been good to transition into the juniors uh build that up um still part of my goal is to increase that but yeah uh, yeah so far it's been it's getting there, man. Yeah, it's been and really good. We've had a lot of new ones, and it was nice to see uh, when I came down to watch and play in the Junior Open. It was nice to see a lot of the new ones uh, playing yeah. tournament golf on the academy course. It's and brilliant. It was brilliant. You know, yeah. 
It was really good. I, I always think that kind of these courses like Ashburnham or your Pile and Kimfig or Royal Puth Call, they're not really suited that much to develop in a huge junior section. Number one, because the golf course is very, very busy. Yeah. Uh, and when I was a junior, I could have gone up to my stake pretty much at any time and not even thought that I wouldn't get on the golf course, whereas a junior could rock up here in the morning and they still be waiting until two or three in the afternoon on some occasions. It's very, very tough. Um, so I think from that perspective as well, you know, developing junior golf at these bigger clubs is a much, much bigger challenge than it is developing golf at some of the quieter clubs that are less popular. And that's why I think that you see, you know, lots of the smaller clubs, and I mean that with the, the greatest of respect, where, you know, they do get huge, huge junior sections yeah. because it's golf is more available there for them. So to have that nine-all academy course at the bottom for us is an absolute game-changer. Yeah, it's, uh, br- it's brilliant for, you know, once it beds in and... Uh, matures i think it's going to be amazing little facility uh, it will it will for be everyone and i can just kind of like the parents <clears throat> coming down yeah you know they paid their pound a month for uh the new to golf membership for the juniors which is amazing that the club have agreed to that as well yeah. which is awesome and the parents sit down uh on the benches outside uh, on the balcony watching their, their kids going round and round and round and round and round the academy course about 15 times. That's what it's about. Exactly, exactly. It reminds me of what my dad was doing when I was uh, when I was a kid, <laughs> watching me playing rugby. Yeah. And little did I know, he was just taking us an opportunity to drink a lot of cans <laughs> on the bench. <laughs> but how, how has it been, like, I, I don't quite know how involved you were uh, at Abu Dhabi with the running of the shop side of things. And, I, you know, I've... I've tried to give you a, a lot of responsibility in terms of helping me manage some of the orders uh, and manage some of the situations which we find ourselves in because of COVID. Give everyone a bit of a background, Rich, on some of the challenges which you've been facing on a daily basis, I've been facing on a daily basis, and also the customers are facing as well. Um, because I think a lot, a lot of people don't really kind of get what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I think <clears throat> prior to COVID, I think it was... Um it was really easy to come in the shop and, well, from my experience when I was in Abu Dhabi, come in the shop and go, oh, I want to ping rescue wood or whatever, and it'd be yeah. there within a week. Yeah, and I think maximum. Yeah, yeah. I think now it's like, you know, we get we get a lead time on the on the product, and then it's um, then that's getting delayed and getting delayed and getting delayed. And like the other day, I was. Um, I can't remember what it was, uh, Umbrella, I think it was, mm. like May next year. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, it's such a challenge. And it's, it's a challenge for us because I think people always want things now. Yeah. Um, and I think with COVID and um, these manufacturers struggling with supply, I think it's it's been a challenge for us because I think members would want something and we can't yeah. get it and yeah. then it's it's a constant challenge and then phone in um the manufacturers and like they're dealing with a lot of calls because we're probably not the only club that are phoning them well, uh, so, yeah exactly so we could be on the phone for kind of 20 30 minutes just waiting and then you get through to them and they're like there's no change or yeah you know, they, yeah, yeah yeah so you don't actually get a lot yeah out of the conversation but yeah it has been a challenge and like especially Grips have been a nightmare. Mm. Um, some manufacturers have been better than others, but overall, I think they're all struggling. Yeah, um, I mean, we, I had a guy coming in today. He's like, "Have you got a large glove?" 
And I'm like, I'm really sorry. I've not got a large glove. And I'd love to say to you that I'll get one in by the end of the week. I can't. No. <laughs> it's really hard just to get like one large glove. And I know there's no Titleist golf balls available from Titleist uh, until the end of the year, uh, until next year. Callaway are in the same position. You can barely get a golf ball from TaylorMade. Luckily, we've stocked up quite well uh, yeah. on golf balls. And I know we've got a really healthy stock there. Um, so hopefully we've kind of, uh, we, we've seen that issue early enough. Uh, and we've done the same with a lot of other stock as well, which is good. But we, we kind of need a good Christmas, I think. And fingers crossed we can turn over some of that stock. And, um, you know, hopefully the members will support us as well. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I did, didn't, when I was at uh, Abu Dhabi, didn't have much to do with this. Obviously, I worked in the shop, but nothing in terms of ordering and mm. things like that. So that's been definitely a good thing for me to learn that side of it. And, yeah. Um, challenging when you're trying to order things and there's nothing available. But yeah, it's, it's been good. I really enjoyed it. What, uh, what What's the biggest difference kind of like with... Well, I suppose that's probably not a fair question to ask, but what? give us an idea on one of the things that you've learned the most from being here in, in nigh on six months. Uh, in terms of like... Overall, anything, anything really? Anything. Um, well, definitely the club building side of it I've learnt the most um, like I remember putting a grip on the first day when you asked me and it was like I was teeing off in the Wales Open again <laughs> my hands were shaking and I was like oh, please do it properly like take it off do it again <laughs> like you demand like it to be perfect with the club building which is good and I think it's good for me to learn that side Learned a lot from uh, from a business standpoint. Um, yeah, probably that those two sides, and obviously some of the trackman data. Yeah, um, that's that's cool stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it can be overwhelming at times, absolutely. but it's very. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And the, th- the thing is with that as well is like you don't stop learning about it either. Like no. there, there's the situations that I, when I'm looking at it. I feel like I've probably got quite a lot of experience looking at trackman numbers, but I look at them sometimes and I'm thinking, right, I need to like I need I need to screenshot this and I need to look at this when I get home just to kind of try and work out exactly what's gone on. Yeah. Uh, and like you say, it can be overwhelming, especially in in sessions where people are they don't demand results, but they expect results, don't they? You know, and uh, you've got to try and interpret that very quickly. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's been probably the few things that I've learned the most um, I think I'll continue to learn uh, and there's a lot of things especially from coaching yeah. that I will continue to learn and need to oh, learn all, more we um, always do it don't we yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah definitely probably the club building side of it's been an eye opener for me anyway um, how have the members been treating you yeah really good yeah the members have been fantastic um yeah, overall been really, really good. Made me feel welcome uh, from the moment I got That's here, good. really. So, and I was fortunate enough. I knew a few of them, uh, knew Della and Reese, yeah. um, and obviously Tim was my, the manager at yeah, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, yeah. um, knew Elliot, um, knew a few of them, and D- Dalan picked me for David. Ah, uh, did he really? Yeah, so ah, okay. I played for. Wales before I played for David, but that's a bit like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think David, uh, Dallan made sure he picked, I think, me and Mosley. So, uh, yeah, class. Um, yeah, so I've n- known quite a few of them. That's good. Which has been 
that made it a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, it's been pr- pretty easy transition to be honest. It's it's surprising. I think working, I've worked at a lot of different clubs, and um, it doesn't it doesn't take uh, a lot a long time to. Uh, feel kind of like settled in the club but it can take a long long time to get to know the members because like we've got to we've got to try and remember a lot of different faces and the different names and yeah. you know their, their interactions with us are very short and sharp generally you know it's um we, we might see them once or twice a week but it might not be for more than a couple of minutes and you know just even even getting to know them and their family background and everything is um is is, is, re- is really important i think yeah it, it, i'm still i'm still learning it now yeah i think i've got just with most of the names anyway the ones who come in regular yeah um not like i think ollie called stato norman the other day didn't he did he, did he really <laughs> so yeah just um yeah, I've got to know most of them who come into the shop <laughs> on a regular basis. But, at least he tried, uh, anyway. Yeah, at least, at least he, he tried, tried a name. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I've got to know the majority of them anyway. Yeah, what Stato didn't realise, though, is that was a complete and utter guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was just a coincidence yeah. that he plays with Norman. So, yeah, yeah, that was quite funny. Um, They're a good bunch of boys, though. Yeah. So. Class. Well, Rich... We've been going 45 minutes here and I feel like we can talk for another hour and 45 minutes of about all the stuff that, you know, you've you've gone through and, you know, talking about some of the tournaments and your results and all your history and everything. Um, I want to say a big thank you for coming down on your day off uh, to do this. That's okay. I know you're going in to do some teaching now, but you could have easily spent uh, another hour having a cup of tea in the house uh, before doing this. So I want to say a big thank you. That's okay. Um, keep on doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. The members of Feedback has been amazing and, um, you know, I'm really chuffed that we've got you on board and, yeah, we'll be stay here for a very, very long time. Will do, thanks. Yeah, and we'll, uh, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll jump on again perhaps in the next couple of weeks and, uh, and give everyone a bit of an update. Uh, and if every, anybody who's listening to this uh, hasn't seen uh, their emails, uh, we've got a newsletter which we're going to be sending out from the pro shop. Uh, it's not going to be through BRS, it's a, a completely separate system. If anybody wants to subscribe to it but doesn't know how to please just call in the shop and uh, we can we can sign you up for it but hopefully the weather will continue to be uh, nicer as it has the last couple of weeks and uh, we can squeeze a little bit more nice golf out to the end of the season uh, before the weather takes a bit of a turn for the worse but thanks very much for listening rich thanks once again and uh, fingers crossed uh, we'll do another one soon